Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined tonight by a special guest, Justin Martinez. Justin usually covers OU for us, but he's going to be pitching in on some Thunder coverage. Um, so happy you are here tonight, Justin. What was was this your first Thunder game? First Thunder game. Yeah, getting okay. my feet wet. What did you think of the experience? Just you, you were sitting courtside. What what were some of your observations of just not the game in particular, but just sort of the atmosphere? Because this is obviously like a new season of, of Thunder basketball, not what fans are used to for the most part. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just as a basketball fan in general over the years, you've heard about the sort of atmosphere there. And obviously times have changed with how the team is doing. Um, a bit of a rebuild for them now. But I mean, even then, you could still just tell that the people who were here are very passionate about Thunder basketball. So just a cool environment. It was something really cool to get to do and glad I could just, you know, kind of learn the ropes a little bit. Yeah, and it was a fun one to come to. The Thunder beat the Spurs 99-94, um, a 16-point comeback win. They got down big in the first quarter. It was 28-12. to um, That first quarter was ugly. Um, the, the Thunder shot... I think it was like 26% in the in the first quarter, got down big early, clawed back a little in the second quarter. Mescala went off in the second quarter, Shea in the third quarter. They held on in the fourth. It's just like becoming kind of a trend with this team, I think. They're obviously not going to win a lot of games, but a team like the Spurs who is more talented but not an elite team, it's like they you know, get out to a big lead early, but – don't really put the Thunder away, and like the Thunder, to their credit, don't really stop fighting. Yeah, I mean, Darius basically said it after the game that this is kind of one of those games that seemed like it was just within reach, you know. Mm-hmm. You can kind of get that sense. It's not so much on the same level of like one of the Lakers' comebacks where yeah. this is a really good team on paper that they probably shouldn't be beating. But, I mean, this definitely seemed like a winnable game, even when the shots weren't falling for them. Um, for sure. And just for them to eventually get those shots to fall, you could just tell the momentum was swinging in their direction. And, yeah, I mean, it's just credit to them. It's a young team that's obviously going to have to take some hits, especially early on. But credit to them for being able to fight mm-hmm. back again. That's something they've done really well this season. I thought Baisley had the play of uh, highlight of the night. That putback oh, yeah. dunk was yeah. crazy. Something, <laughs> definitely. And you, I think that really set the tone for just how well they were crashing the glass in that second half specifically. I mean, they were going at it on the offensive boards, and it was paying off. That was definitely one of the big ones. By the way, the surprise of the night, I, I, I know you're not uh, – haven't been here before, but um, – Darius Baisley, he's, he's a nice guy, but um, to cover is not always the easiest because he's typically a man of few words. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a day he came in pregame and it was like two word responses to every question. It's like all right, it's just one of those days with Darius. Then he walks in here tonight and gives a gives an opening statement yeah. about Mike Mascala and what Mascala means to the team, and um, just really appreciate Darius for being very thoughtful tonight and and I thought that was something just what like Mascala means to this young group we've talked about it a lot but he's him and Derek Favors are the oldest guys at 30 Mm -hmm. um, which is not very old Uh, but Mascala was just really good tonight he had 14 points in the first five minutes and was just cashing threes what did you think about his game tonight yeah I mean definitely I think the the shout out was warranted just the way he played um they were just they were dying to get a shot from anybody like mm-hmm. just get some sort of boost offensively the shots just weren't falling like like you said the shots were there the whole night it's just it was just a matter of who's going to actually be able to cash in on them and it turned out to be Muscala on this one so credit's got to go to him for just staying ready and being able to come in and give a really big boost for this team yeah again I just really like how he fits with this team it's like a tricky balance because obviously you want to develop 
Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Isaiah Roby, who right. didn't play tonight and has played in the G League, um, and these younger bigs. It's like Mascala doesn't really fit the long-term plan, mm-hmm. but just with his floor spacing ability and like you – like the Thunder was built to be bad, but you don't want to be incompetent in a way where your guards don't have room to operate. Right. Yeah. And like just having a stretch big out there really helps Giddy and Shea, who neither of whom had, you know, great nights stats wise. I, I think Giddy did something. Shea Shea had a pretty balanced outline, fourteen points, eight rebounds, nine assists. It was actually the first time though he did not lead the team in points this season. That was Miscalo with twenty, but yeah, he 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 really helps, and there wasn't there wasn't like an opposing big to really punish the Thunder tonight. Pirtle was out; I think he's in the health and safety protocols. They started Drew Eubanks at center, but Spurs really don't have like a ton of size, and that helps the Thunder, I think. Yeah, without a doubt, and you could really see that in that second half when OKC was just getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound. You'd have to think if a guy like Pirtle was still in the game there, then that would have made a difference. But either way, I mean, they were just hustling. You could tell that they really took their punches in that first half and kind of realized that, you know, this is going to be one of those grinded out physical mm-hmm. games where we're just going to have to outwork them. And that's really what it came down to. Cause like you said, the, obviously the Spurs are a more talented team on paper, but it's not a huge gap. It's one of those where if they're the ones that are hustling for those 50, 50 plays and stuff like that, then that's going to be enough for them to get the win. And that's really what they did in that second half. Yeah. 15 offensive rebounds. That's, yeah. that's kind of crazy. Um, Probably uh, should have fit that into my five takeaways, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll revise those here after we're done yeah. podcasting. You uh you you followed the Spurs. Well, what yeah. do you think of this version? It's just so weird to see, you know, Pop on the sidelines coaching this group, and yeah. you know they they've got. I I'm intrigued by some of the young guys. Like Kel, I'm a big Keldon Johnson fan, Same. And, and Murray. You know he's seems to make steps but like they don't have that one guy that can sort of build around what do you make of the the young core and just where this team is at yeah I mean they're definitely still looking for that guy as you mentioned that's something that if it is the way the Spurs normally do it's going to have to be by the draft Mm -hmm. someone's going to have to come in that's going to really be a spark for them right away Um, and they just haven't been able to find that I think they've got the actual pieces to surround the guy like that you know Mm -hmm. like like you said, with the guard play, I think that Kelton Johnson did really well. Just a really good finisher at the rim, especially tonight. He's strong, man. Yeah, and then just the length on the perimeter. Like, you could tell those guards were causing a lot of problems for guys like Dort, guys like like Shea tonight uh, with DeJounte specifically. Um, they've got the surrounding pieces, but, yeah, they're just missing that one guy to really kind of build the whole team around. And I'm guessing it's going to be in the draft. There's some good draft classes coming up, but they're still a few years away from getting anywhere close to what they had been the past few years, you know. Yeah, but the Thunder really – like, there's so many Thunder Spurs comparisons primarily because mm-hmm. of Presti and just sort of the the way the two teams operate in small markets. But the Spurs uh, obviously had such a long stretch of success, and, like, Kawhi was really that bridge. They just, like, hit on him at 15, and then he keeps the success going of the Duncan era and, mm-hmm. and Parker and Ginobili. And now, you know, the Thunder are – clearly tanking and and trying to give themselves the best odds at that topic the Spurs have sort of resisted that and obviously it's two two different ways to to do it there's you know an argument for staying competitive and and everything like that but how do you just sort of like see the the contrast and how these two small market teams are trying to rebuild yeah I mean definitely there's definitely a different approach to where the Thunder are saying hey we really want to get one of those top picks the Spurs I think are a little more confident in their development of just saying hey we can get a guy like 
like Derek White, who I believe was either late first round or second mm-hmm. round. You know, they can get guys like that and actually be able to just develop that young talent. I think that's what they're hoping maybe a guy like Primo might be for them, just kind of later picks that hopefully will be able to pan out. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I think that Spurs system is just why they have so much confidence that guys can come in and they can really get the best out of their players. Um, I think that's that's definitely the harder route of taking it. If the Thunder were able to cash in on like a first, second, or third pick, then that would be obviously great. That would mm-hmm. be just kind of instant type success. Um, while maybe the Spurs are going with a little more of the the long route with a little more development type of stuff. Yeah, like the Spurs have more guys, but not like the guy. Right. Like, you know, Murray, Lonnie Walker, v- Vassell. I think is a is mm-hmm. a guy a lot of people are excited about. Keldon Johnson, and it's like all of them look like they could be you know they're already rotation players yeah. to be good rotation players but not like either an a or even a b option maybe right. on a championship caliber team and the thunder is saying okay like to win a championship you have to have one of those a guys right. and maybe shea can be that maybe you know giddy but really they want one more guy at, at the top of the draft preferably for them um so yeah it's a it's it's really interesting just the the different ways they're going about that yeah um you you mentioned Primo. I'm really upset we didn't see him tonight. I know. He's uh looks like he's in the G League. Mm-hmm. But my thing with Josh Primo is the th- Mark Dignalt, again, very good to cover Mark Dignalt. I enjoy talking to him. But he says all the time that Josh Giddy is the youngest player in the NBA. Oh. <laughs> and it's actually Josh Primo. Yeah. So there's this joke that like Giddy's not even the youngest Josh in the NBA. So I <laughs> yeah. wanted Primo to play just for that reason yeah. alone. Do you have any uh, Josh Primo insight for him? I mean, us? just the fact that obviously he's so young and it's just a really raw talent. It's going to take some time for him yeah. to actually become a guy, especially on a team like this where they already have a lot of backcourt guys that they're trying to really build around. So it's going to be a while until we see Primo in some actual meaningful minutes, let alone even suiting up at all. Uh, in a game like this, that would have been great to see. But, yeah, he's going to be a little ways away. But, I mean, you just look at the athleticism. You look at the skill level. You can see why he was a um, something that they couldn't pass up on in the draft. And we'll see what they're able to, to get out of him. Yeah, that pick turned a lot of heads yeah. because, you know, I mean, mock drafts are always wrong. But that was one where no one had him going that high. So, But the, the Spurs often find guys and develop guys. So, We'll see how that works out. Just another G League-related note. Um, I, I wrote a story about Isaiah Roby being, you know, the first Thunder to play in the G League and the NBA in the same day for the mm-hmm. Blue in the morning because they played at 11 here at Paycom Center. Thunder obviously play at night. Roby, DNP coach's decision, but V Crutchy plays five of seconds in the third <laughs> yeah. quarter. That is the doubleheader for him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the doubleheader. V Crutchy did it. Uh, the Thunder actually sent me this note. It's happened more times than I thought. 59th yeah. time in NBA G League history, but the first time in Blue Thunder history gotcha. that guy played a doubleheader um, same day for in, in the G League and the NBA. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that for the Thunder, given that – the blue play here 15 times on the same day as a Thunder game. Yeah. And they've got guys like Cretchy, Trey Mann, Trey Mann yeah. um, Roby, 
I think Teo Maladon, he's he's off to a really bad start this year. He could be a guy that, that finds some time in the G League, but it's kind of a cool note that play two games in one day. Yeah, and I mean, definitely it is that type of team where a lot of these guys can benefit from going down there and getting yeah. a little bit more experience. So I could definitely see guys moving around. I, I've been seeing your tweets, and I know it seems like it's something every single day. Every guys day. been called up, guys been moved down, stuff like that. So I think that's definitely going to be a trend we're going to see moving forward. Yeah, back in the day, we used to like – post a short story on every one of those G League transactions and it's like this year it would have been impossible because and like you can't read too much into it because sometimes it's just to like get a guy up one game or one practice like with the Thunder or with the Blue it doesn't mean anything it's not like baseball where you know a guy is stuck in double A or triple A for long stretches Um, but yeah that's it's just funny how that works out and um, obviously, Mark Dagnalt is sort of used to that as being a G League coach for five seasons. And he was like, last year was the anomaly that this didn't happen because right. the G League played in the bubble. Um, you can't send guys back and forth to Orlando all the time, right, especially yeah. with health and safety s- issues. So this is more of a normal way that the Thunder um, is going to use the G League. So, um, yeah, wrapped up a thunder win, a rare thunder wind podcast with some G League talk, but that's yeah. just that's just how it's gonna go. But um, Justin, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, and thank you guys for listening as always to the Thunder Buddies podcast. That will be it for tonight. We will be back with you after a couple days off on Wednesday um, when the Thunder plays at the Pelicans.